them are a hop, skip, and a jump away from burning all their shit in like a fucking fireplace and just being like, Stephen Miller is no more. Say hello to Miguel Sanchez, you know? <laughs> oh, man. They must have industrial strength shredders like in all their basements, you Crazy. know? Just, yeah. Like, they just hit up a, a button and just that, oh, the whole house just gets shredded. <laughs> yeah, it's just. <laughs> Like it just turns to dust. <laughs> it's like, holy shit, man. Where once stood a structure, now is an abundance of salt, you know? <laughs> oh, man. But this world is full of crazy stuff, which kind of, which kind of leads us into our film picks this week. <laughs> And before we get to that, uh, you're listening to the Robots vs. Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. I'm Pablo Morale Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. That's and boy, right. boy, do we have a pair of movies for you. Yeah, just like a couple of titties. Like, what a pair, you know? <laughs> oh, shit, okay. Um, <laughs> so, we have... <laughs> I don't yeah, give a the, fuck anymore, man. Da- apparently not. I mean, I mean, folks, we're going to have to uh, to up the rating on this show on uh, all our streaming platforms to mature. <laughs> Ooh, that's right. That's mature. Con- the M.A. TV M.A. That's right. That's yeah. right. Full um, frontal nudity. Bush. On a podcast, which is pretty fucking yeah, incredible. I like. Know. You can hear the nudity. <laughs> you can smell the suntan lotion. <laughs> you can hear so us w- chewing. Oh, jeez. Uh. <laughs> this week we are pitting The Man Who Killed Hitler and Then Bigfoot, the 2018 film by Robert D. Krizkowski, against The Girl with All the Gifts, yeah, which came right. at... Which came out in 2016 and was directed by Colin McCarthy. Um, which I got to say, like I, I can't believe it's been this long and I hadn't I hadn't seen that film. Like it's so good. Honestly, I I was it flew so. This is one of those movies that I don't know how it got past me. Like it flew completely under the radar, and it was totally not about what I thought it was. Like you know, I went into this movie completely blind, and you know what I thought it was about. I thought it what? was about a, a, a just judging from the um, the the girl like on the on the poster on the promo mm-hmm. art. It's just a, a girl with a face mask on. So I thought it was about a girl suffering f- from some kind of debilitating lockjaw, which it ended up being about uh, in a roundabout way. Um, mm. But uh, I, so when it, it turned out to be about. Uh, zomb- like the zombie apocalypse, um, I was completely taken aback and completely surprised. Uh, so, uh, it I thought it was this movie was fucking fantastic. Obviously, I think we're gonna go into the, this movie first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, so, yeah. What did you What did you think about it? Oh man, I I just thought. That the pacing of this film was perfect. Uh, like you, I went into it blind. Um, I thought, for some reason, I thought this from the from the cover art, the poster art. I thought that this was a young girl who somehow um, 
it was like one of those stories where somebody was debilitated in some way, but was a savant in several other ways, just from the title of the film, The Girl with All the Gifts, you know? Right. Um, so I thought to myself, okay, this will be this will be interesting. Uh, but being that you picked it, I thought I knew that there was going to, there's going to be some sort of twist in here. Something that <laughs> something I'm not anticipating. Um, yeah. So far have all my picks been like that where you're just like, Oh, it turns out, to, you know, you're watching it and you're expecting it to be one thing. And you're just like, Holy shit, this is not per- that pretty much. Even, even when you don't mean to do it, because like, even with your pattern of suggesting films that have these uh, crazy twists, you know, I'm thinking all your picks are going to be that way. And then when you suggested the last black, the last black man in San Francisco, I thought to myself, OK, this is going to be something else. And it was just, you know, it was just a, <laughs> a great fucking film. Right. You know, so he's that, the that last, was... he's the last like, you know, um, you know, in, in a it's like a, a, what's that movie with Will Smith where I am legend. Right. It's like <laughs> I am legend. He's like, I am the last black man in San Francisco. And, you know, all the vampires are like, free trade soy, free trade soy. <laughs> oh, man, if, if only it had been that. But um, <laughs> but with but I'm so, just had to just had to get my little yeah, jab in there. I know it kind of hurts yeah. you that I'm uh, not. <laughs> take your shots. Take your shots. <laughs> um, but with this film. Once it began, I, I kind of quickly uh, clued into the fact that there was some sort of post-apocalyptic situation happening here. And the situation with the children in this film really sort of like tied me in. I was just like, this is this is very uncomfortable. Why are they treating these children this way? Um, and uh, the way the actress who played uh, Melanie, uh, her name is uh, Sania Nanua, she was brilliant because there was something in the sound of her voice and the innocence in her eyes, her genuine desire to connect with the people who are around her, even though they were vehemently like, no, you are, you are not to be treated with any sort of compassion. It was just like, the fuck is going on here and once it's revealed to us that these children actually pose uh a type of danger um it just got me all mixed up in my feelings i'm just like well what the fuck would i do in this situation i mean these kids these kids are still kids you know they're not like running around as we see in many other zombie movies you know uh with uh rotting skin and growling and stuff like that at least not initially um, but then when it's revealed to us what triggers their uh, zombieism, it's just like, oh, shit, uh, this is a problem. This is definitely yeah. a problem. <laughs> um, now, as I tend to do, I, I couldn't help but notice, like, the political aspects of, of this movie. Mm. Um, and I kind of I almost saw it as like an analogy for, uh, you know, and stop me if you think I'm I'm going overboard, but I saw it kind of as an analogy for, um, you know, how delicious uh, White Castle burgers are. I'm just, just <laughs> so stupid. You um, and fucking White Castle, man. I can't. <laughs> oh. um, I thought it was an, an analogy for uh, Black Lives Matter. 
Mm. Uh, I, I couldn't help but think, especially at the very end, you know, because the whole movie is setting up like that, uh, that the girl played by Sania Nanua, is that how mm-hmm. you, you say her name? Um, mm-hmm. Uh, who the by the way i was just like give her all the awards <laughs> yes i was just like she's so good like she's so good she, she's so well written she's so good uh <laughs> I, I i'm just like how how is this not not oh it's because it's a zombie movie and you know fucking the academy is up it's too much up its own ass to nominate something to be brave enough to nominate something with the zombies in it um but yep, they're uh, just like they're just like for pete's sake last year we gave you black panther enough <laughs> That's true. They threw us a bone. Uh, like but it. anyway. It's like, we're only nominating. We're not awarding. <laughs> oh, my God. Imagine if it had one fucking DC people would just be, like, riding in the streets. <laughs> um, <laughs> it's just the Lion King. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, is that what they say? Yeah. So, anyway, um, the character, the character of Melanie... Uh, played by Sinia, uh, I think she's like 11 years old, Sinia uh, Nanua. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's a brand new type of zombie. Like the world has been infected with this fungus that turns people into not zombies, but dun dun dun, you know, hungries. Um, <laughs> which I thought was kind of a really silly name. I was just like, only the British. Um, Maybe they. Maybe they couldn't get the license to use the word zombies, you know, because everybody owns everything these days. Like. Everybody's no, I, I think it's that that they were ashamed to use the Z word, um, the- <laughs> as 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 is said in in fucking uh, Shaun of the Dead. They're just like, don't stop saying that. Don't say that. Like what? <laughs> zombies? Yeah, don't say that word. Uh, but anyway, um, she's part. Of, she's like a, a a conscious type of zombie. Mm. Um, very interesting concept. By yes. The way. So she's ba- she's basically like a regular girl, up until like you, if you are hang around her for too long, she's gonna take a bite out of you, you know. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, other than that, sh- like she can basically keep her composure, carry conversations. She's a smart little girl, um, and brilliantly portrayed by by Ms. Nan- Nan- Nanua. Um, and so, uh, you know, throughout the whole film, you're kind of like on this journey with her and, um, you know, you see how she's treated like her and her kind, basically conscious zombies are treated like, uh, test subjects for, for, you know, normal people, for people Mm -hmm. who aren't infected with the virus. Um, and they are treated horribly in horrible conditions, fed shit, treated like garbage. Um, and finally, it like she at the very at the tail end of the movie, when she triggers an apocalypse, uh, which took me completely by surprise. Um, she so she basically the the reasons why she triggers an apocalypse is. Is for me felt like she was talking directly to the audience on behalf of like black lives and mm. people of color. It was just like, no, I, we're not going to sacrifice ourselves anymore. Why should we keep sacrificing ourselves for you? 
you know mm. Mm. Uh, i i so. um that that was uh that was a cathartic moment uh all all the way from her conversation with uh, dr carolyn caldwell who was played by glenn close who was a very who was a very interesting character because at the beginning of the of the film i hated that character i was just like she's she's this detached cold monster and then toward the middle of the film i started to empathize with her a little because she there are impossible situations that are happening in the world and she is doing her best with the skill set that she has in order to remedy it to according to her worldview. So that was in the middle of the film. And then by the end of the film, I hated her again. So she took me on this like emotional uh, roller coaster. And I found that very interesting after it was all said and done. I had tons of feelings. So anyway, in her conversation with Melanie at the end, when she was trying to convince Melanie to let her dissect her so that she could create a vaccine and sort of cure this quote-unquote plague and the way melanie was reasoning with her she was just like let me just ask you one thing do you do you still see us as a virus or do you see us as alive and then uh glenn close's character dr caldwell she said it seems like she finally had to resign something or she was just lying in order to get what she wanted. Either way, um, she said, she she replied, alive. And that's when Melanie looked back at her. She said, so then why should we sacrifice ourselves for you? Yeah. And that that was literally, that was, in that little moment, in that little truck, that was a paradigm shift for the species that just reverberated outward. And when she ran to the, to sort of this uh, growth that was happening uh, near where they were encamped uh, that were just these pods that would spread uh, the same uh, fungus uh, all over the world and essentially just change who was dominant on the planet. Um, it was it was cathartic because at that point I thought to myself, I, like I was with her, like I was with Melanie. I was just like, clearly clearly we are no no longer able to adapt to to the planet um especially the way that we've made it now that this thing has arose like why should we why should we fight this you know um i'm saying this as a viewer if i was in the movie in the situation i don't know i don't know if i'd be yeah, I know, <laughs> if i'd be I know. so quick you know exactly but <laughs> it's like if you're not if you're not one of these you know um you know new types new breed of zombies where they're you know completely conscious because they were born zombies um more on that later <laughs> mm. um, anyway um <laughs> so um if i was just one of those guys i wouldn't see her her triggering uh uh, the apocalypse as an act of freedom. I'd be like, what the fuck, man? Come on. <laughs> I thought we were friends. Come on. I get, I gave you a Snickers. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit. Oh man. Oh man. But the way they, the way they treated this girl throughout the film actually triggered me emotionally as well to see this young black girl constantly being handcuffed and having this muzzle put on her face I was just like, if this isn't some sort of metaphor for the way black women are treated 
in our society. Right. Um, I don't know. I don't know what is. And then to see it happen to a little girl, I'm just like, like I'm looking at her. I was like, this, this could literally be my daughter. Like, what the hell? You know, um, it was it, it just this movie engaged me in so many different ways. Yeah, dude. Uh, so, like, I know that, that we've been talking a little bit about, like, the political subtext uh, with regards to, um, you know, with regards to race and stuff and and how um, how it touches on, like, themes that are, like, so resonant for right now. I mean, like, a plague, racial injustice, like, <laughs> guys, it's they obvious. Fucking call- yeah, fucking called it. <laughs> this, this movie was released in fucking... Uh, when was it released? Let's see. 2016. 2016. And here we are fucking four years later. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's it, it's more relevant now than it's ever been. Uh, so. Um, uh, so but, you know, aside from all that, uh, I thought that the zombie effects were really fucking cool. Um, <laughs> that, that whole fucking tell me, man, that whole fucking set piece where the zombies break it, they over... So all all the main characters, uh, you know, including this girl and uh, her her fellow kid buddies, her zombie kid buddies, who are also (laughs) restrained, uh, being experimented on in this fucking crazy, you know, uh, uh, army complex, which kind of reminded me a little bit of of, uh, Day of the Dead. Mm. Um, So, uh, you know... uh, they're they're being experimented on this army complex and the barriers are being shaken down by the sheer amount of of people infected by this uh parasitic fungus this plague that turns people into hungries um by the way that fungus is kind of based on a real thing there's a fungus that exists that actually does that uh, zombifies uh quote-unquote uh, certain insects. Yeah, if ants. They, if, I know. Yeah, yeah. That's which is so you know extra frightening right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, this this whole movie kind of chilled me to the bone in a way that I was just like, okay, so I'm going to be thinking about this now. Uh, <laughs> you know, Sabrina's like, do you want to watch Failure to Launch? I'm just like, no. <laughs> I'm thinking about the end of the world, baby. You know. <laughs> no, that that's completely untrue. She would never watch a movie that's so shitty. Um, <laughs> and if you told her that you were thinking about the end of the world, she would just be like, again? Yeah, I know. Exactly. <laughs> Ugh, this old fucking song and dance. Um, so uh, what was I saying before? Uh, oh, 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 yeah. That the, that the effects, the effects of this movie are fucking cool, right? Mm. Um, the pods... Uh, like the whole design, like, uh, and yes, I, I'm sorry. We're going back to what you were saying about like it's based off of things that are re- in based on in real life a fungus that zombifies ants and other insects and stuff. It it does it it, it reminds me it reminded me a little bit of that. It also reminded me of the uh, I haven't played the game, but I've seen and heard the stories about The Last of Us that game. Ah, uh, yes. Um, and apparently it's the same kind of thing where people are turned into zombies where they have this, like this fungus that sprouts like these things from people's eyes and shit, which happens in, uh, the girl with all the gifts. Like if you're a zombie for, if you're one of these hungry zombies for long enough, uh, (laughs) you'll eventually just like burst open 
and like uh, form this giant stalk. And it's horrifying, but at the same time, it was like, ooh, cool, you know? Yeah. Remember that, that tower? There's a tower. And so in this movie, there's a tower. And it's just populated by, you know, it's just ravaged by these by this fungus that has just burst out of, you know, zombie people. Right. Uh, what looks like probably hundreds and hundreds of zombies at the base who have uh, sprouted uh uh, these things and it just sort of vines its way up this uh i guess skyscraper or whatever like it was really tall um so that's what she uh sets fire to at the end to release the spores and uh basically shift the planet into a new into a new species um it was uh, the, the whole the whole concept uh of the hungries <laughs> in this movie was just really brilliant and really really frightening i mean you can imagine if there were prequels to this film um how difficult it must have been for humanity to cope with this because you know it's one thing to see people just suddenly flip and become these animalistic um running or walking depending on uh, the style of zombie you're thinking about uh creatures that sort of lose their humanity it's a whole other thing when these people especially the young ones can still walk and talk and reason and learn and love you and actually love you but they will still eat your fucking ass if you turn around <laughs> yeah it's uh ooh. um yeah i i mean like that's that that part is i mean if there was a prequel to this i think it would shatter my mind uh, this movie this movie uh, it's also based on a book did you know this it was it's based on a book that was also written by the guy who wrote and uh who wrote uh this this movie oh so really yeah yeah so basically he wrote a book then he wrote the movie uh, which i Holy think is shit. fucking awesome um, damn yeah. that's how you do it <laughs> yeah i know right um so, yeah, uh, you know, it's it's about the end of the world. Um, it's, you know, it's about the relationship this this uh, this young girl develops with her teacher who basically sees her as a human being. Um, mm. The teacher, and, Helen, uh, Helen Justineau. <laughs> yeah. Um, and she's played by uh, what's her name? Gemma Arderton. Um, very very british <laughs> very yes very british um and yeah i i don't know where i was going with this point but i i fucking think the 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 creature effects in this fucking thing are fantastic uh this this movie also had one of the most horrifying moments uh i've ever like seen <laughs> like uh the the moment where you know, remember they're all fucking like waving in and out of like they they they're wearing this gel that makes them invisible to these zombie people, mm-hmm. and they have to get through a a giant crowd. Of, oh God! Of zombies. I like, just remember. I, I just remember. I know what you're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> they have to get through this fucking crowd of zombies in a in a in like a a, a, a a city square or some shit. They have mm-hmm. to get to like a, a a building so they could set up camp, and so and they're accompanied by Melanie, uh, the girl, uh, the titular girl with all the gifts, who's wearing a muzzle, mm-hmm. um, 
and it's like these two are these two argument guys, Glenn Close and Doctor Justino, and they're trying to go through uh, this crowd of people, and they know if if that the zombies are triggered by noise, so they have to be extra quiet, you know. <laughs> That's just I don't know why that reminded me of like it's whisper quiet, you know. <laughs> fucking doc doc doctor Nick Riviera with where he's trying to <laughs> sell that fucking orange juicer. Um <laughs> that fucking makes crazy amounts of noise. Um so uh yeah, so they're weaving in and out of of these crowds of zombies trying to be as quiet as possible. And then they run into a zombie that is pushing a baby cart that is covered Hmm. and so the doc gets really curious because she's never seen um zombies care for other zombies and Hmm. she wanted to see what was in the covered baby cart and then when she uncovers what it is in this like in this thrilling fucking scene like the dude there is so much tension in this in this fucking movie that i was just like i fucking can't i fucking can't <laughs> um uh i mean i felt like that it was as tense as like i i remember i was as tense as uh uh it, fucking watching the hurt locker cuz i was just like uh. oh my god jeremy runner is about to bite it you know um, but, uh, in this case, so, sh- uh, Glenn Close takes the covering off the baby cart and it, <laughs> God, that image is haunting. Oh, it's a fucking rat that has eaten a baby zombie, right? Oh, is that what God. It is? yes, that's exactly what it is. Uh, and all the, all that's left are the legs. Oh. Uh, and I was just like, okay, that's in my brain now. Thanks for that. <laughs> and fucking Glenn Close almost threw up right there. She's just like, oh, yeah. <laughs> well, no, if- that was in the uncut version where she just like projectile vomits like <laughs> so hard that she takes off, you know, uh- <laughs> into the sky. If uh, oh man, if I was if I was the the character who was uh, there with her, Sergeant Eddie Parks, uh, played by. Patty uh, Considine, uh, I think. Yeah. Uh, Considine, um, yeah. Considine, thank you. Um, I'd have been like, see, I told your fucking ass not to wander off. <laughs> like, that was horrible. That yeah. was horrible. Yeah, lots and lots and lots of tension in, in this movie. But all in all, I think it, it turned out to be a happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, uh, you know what? It, I, I, I feel like we shouldn't spoil this for, for anybody who... Uh, who's listening but the movie does have a happy ending kind (laughs) of yeah yeah as much as we told you there's still something else so yeah there is um, yeah exactly there is still something but holy shit man i can't recommend this movie enough um uh yeah i i want to talk about the feral kids um but i also want us to move on to uh the second half yeah, let's move on. We don't have to. We don't have to tell every single thing of this film. So, uh, the next film on the docket is "The Man Who Killed Hitler" and then "The Bigfoot." That's a, right. A 2018 film starring Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Sam Elliott. Yeah. <laughs> As Calvin Barr. Calvin Barr. 
you're you're right. You might remember him from such films as uh, Ghost Rider. Um, oh, God. Was he in the first or second one? <laughs> I don't know. Who cares? <laughs> but he was in one of the. I think he was the one in the one with Idris Elba, um, which is Ghost was- Rider: Spirit of Vengeance. Idris Elba was was in one of those Ghost yeah, Rider films. Yeah, he was in one of the Ghost Rider films. Yeah. What? Oh yeah. my god! It's fu- fu- uh, Who cares? Those movies are terrible. Um, yeah, they really are. They uh, really are. Except, I mean, like if you're in the mood for Pete Cage, though. <laughs> if you want to see Rage Cage, holy shit! <laughs> That's definitely where you can get you some rage. <laughs> Rage Cage. There's he turns into a flaming skull. That's how Rage Cage he gets. Um, uh, yes. They didn't even they didn't even need any CGI. He yeah, just they did didn't need CGI for that. He just did it like on command. <laughs> oh man! So Sam Elliott plays the uh, the titular character of the film uh, by the name of Calvin Barr, and uh, we learn quickly that he is a uh, a World War II vet. Um, apparently he had, uh, been quite the skilled soldier, uh, cause as, as is depicted in the film, he is sent on special missions and from the get go in a flashback, we see that he is sent, um, on a very important, uh, on a very important mission that is not completely revealed to us unless you, you know, read the name of the film. But uh, so, yeah, so we're seeing uh, the character of Calvin Barr um, is progressing in two timelines uh, during World War Two and the present where he is an old man Um, in his present. He seems like his life has drastically slowed down. Um, He's sort of getting through each day as it comes and vaguely revisiting some of his old memories uh, both from the war and from his civilian life when he had um, when he had a love interest uh, who, you know, was a, a major part of him and trying to reconcile that uh, sort of come to terms with that, because you can tell that he still has very strong feelings about everything that's happened. Um, we see that he is on some sort of medication. And uh, he has a dog. And uh, his life is basically just chugging along. He's in his, I guess, his golden years. And, uh, you know, nothing particularly outstanding. It's just, you know, a man in his late 60s, maybe 70s. Um, I think he's 76 in real life. Sam Elliott. Ah, okay. So, you know, yeah. basically close to the actor's age. Yeah. Um, he, here's where it got interesting for me. The movie took a very sudden turn when the character of Calvin Barr decided to stop taking his medication. Im- yeah. Immediately after that, agents from the government visited him to ask for his help on <laughs> a ridiculous mission. But before I get to that mission, um, we are transported back to World War II. And we see through various acts of subterfuge and stealth, uh, the character of Calvin Barr assassinates Adolf Hitler in the middle of in the middle of Germany and escapes. (laughs) Shoots that German motherfucker right between the eyes. 
<laughs> with, with a device that I was like, I, I was both like charmed with and like, <laughs> like kind of like shaking my head like, oh, you guys. You could, prob- you could probably get that gun off of Wish.com. Because yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they sell any fucking thing on that, on, on that fucking site. <laughs> it comes sold separately, so you have to make multiple orders. <laughs> Ladies, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know uh, listeners, you know, this, this gun that he uses to assassinate Hitler is... Uh, uh, it's made of crap. It's just made out of random <laughs> crap. It's like fucking like I, I've never seen such a slapdash amount of shit just like put together. Like I've assembled bongs with more like technical savvy <laughs> than this device. This it gun. was like it was like it was like a whiskey flask, a camera, yeah. um, a, a fucking half a pipe like it was yeah a nail clipper that he found at the uh bally's jack Lalane. uh <laughs> you know a fucking keech a diz uh a, a, an old adventureland keychain uh you know half a box of of cracker barrel uh <laughs> you know a deck of cards a, a mango uh <laughs> I'm just he trying was, to see how many things I could come up with off the top of my head. He was the original <laughs> MacGyver. <laughs> uh, he it, w- it was also put together with uh, man, woman, person, camera, <laughs> TV. Yes, the glue of re- <laughs> the glue of reality. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God! Jeez. <laughs> So, uh, so yeah, this, this, this fucking gun is like, when I saw it, I was like, there's no way, (laughs) there's no way that gun held together as it fired a bullet. I (laughs) felt like that gun was going to just blow up in his hands. Um, it probably, there was probably a high likelihood of that considering the, the physics of that whole thing. Yeah, But, um. But if I could just talk about like my favorite scene in this movie, oh um, boy, oh boy, it, w- it was the precursor to him um, actually getting to Hitler. It was when he was uh, he had uh, he was stationed with like some what were they like gypsies or something like that or um, some I sort just, of yeah it was some, like maybe it, some sort of uh, re- some some other collection of guys some regiment uh probably guerrilla fighters from like poland or something like that um and he was in the tent of like the head guy that evening and he needed a shave before he was dispatched he got into his whole nazi regalia to in order to infiltrate the third reich and the guy was just like you know would you mind if i shaved you um and he was just like yeah all right you know his beard uh, just to be clear and <laughs> it would have been hilarious if you fucking shaved his balls. <laughs> it's just, it's like, just like, do you want me to shave you? He's just like, yeah, all right. And then it's just like, you know, he comes out looking like a Ken doll, just completely pristine, his entire body. <laughs> Everything except the beard. <laughs> He's just like, okay. <laughs> I can't believe I let him do that to me. He does good work. <laughs> so gentle. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> and I love how he keeps all my hair in a plastic baggie to like smell. Oh. Oh. <laughs> That's gross. That's gross. I I kind of have found my my niche, which is making you go. <laughs> which is you know, which is pretty amazing considering. Like for so many years, you had this adverse reaction to even the mention of pubic hair. It's true, and and now you're just like keep it in a bag and smell it. <laughs> Disgusting. Uh, I'm a man of re- refined, uh, you know, tastes. <laughs> clearly, clearly. So uh, he shaves. He, he's about to shave the guy's beard, but he goes through his this whole tale on how there is. There's almost like a supernatural quality that will determine his success in the guy's upcoming mission into Calvin Barr's upcoming mission in World War II, uh, depending on how the shave goes. He was just like, if I'm shaving you and I make a mistake, then things will go well for you. You'll be successful. However, if the shave is perfect and you're not cut, then your mission won't go well. However, if I try to give you a good shave and purposely make a mistake, then we're both cursed. And I was just like, can I just get a fucking shave? Like I'm, you know, (laughs) I'm hairy. It's hot. Like what the, why does this have to be so complex? And dude, my balls look like Albert Einstein. Come on, man. Just get this fucking thing like over with. If I nick the taint, it'll be it'll mean that you'll have good luck for the for the for the whole summer, you know. Oh man! <laughs> so yeah, if you if you nick your taint, that never heals. By the way, so <laughs> I, trust me, I know. <laughs> you just you just got to go to the hospital and get a blood transfusion because that's just I know. That's it's like, like it's it's right it's right next to like your main line of blood vessels. Like you just yeah, you I might, know. This might as well. You might as well cut your temple. You'll bleed less. <laughs> Jeez. No, I know. It's like puncturing open like a, a bo- uh, like a bag of of uh, Capri Sun. <laughs> anyway, jeez, I'm just uh, like I, I'm just like really hungry. <laughs> this diet has me like starving for bad food. There's a and lot high, of this... and high C apparently. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of mention of yeah. uh, food food products in yes. this uh, in this that's, podcast. That's right. Ho- ho- hopefully, we'll get sponsored. But yeah. um, Sanka, <laughs> hit us up. Sanka, proud sponsor of Robots versus Taxes. <laughs> We've arrived. <laughs> we finally, got that sweet, sweet Sanka money. <laughs> Oh shit, oh, man. man! Okay, but uh, but, but that so, whole, yeah. that whole, that whole scene really resonated with me because the lighting in that scene was so dim, and the enclosed space it was almost like it was almost like a robust a, a robust uh, tent. It was like a field tent, you know. And uh, there was something about the acting and the tension in that scene that just really stuck with me. Like I felt like I was transported there, and it was really it's a real credit to the actors in that scene because they really uh they really just established an atmosphere that just kind of pulled me in like this that you could pluck that scene and make an entire movie just out of that in my opinion but anyway moving on with the film no you're you yeah i mean I, I, you know uh i i felt the exact same way there was something about like the 
there was kind of a mysticism about it. Yes. Um, like it felt like very old world. Like he was like, you know, the guy who's shaving, uh, Calvin Barr, just known as like, I think he's just known as the Russian. Uh, um, uh, there, there's something about the way he speaks and and the the way the, the claustrophobic shot it makes you feel like you're kind of trapped, you know, listening to this fucking like rundown of of mystic mysticism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, I, I definitely felt the tension there. There were moments in this movie where it was just like this movie ha- has a bunch of really interesting tones to it. Yes, um, but yes, yeah, for so. Sure. Yeah, moving on, you were going to say? Uh... Uh, moving on, so uh, back to the present uh, with Calvin Barr. Immediately after he stops taking his medication, he's visited <gasps> by by two government agents, uh, one of which uh, purports to say uh, that he is, uh, well, that he knew like some relative of Calvin Barr's, no, not relative, sorry, somebody who he served with who spoke of Calvin Barr in 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 tones of legend he was just like this guy he could could do anything he killed hitler you know um so they dance around the point that he had done this in the past that he had killed hitler and sam elliott you know admits to it and the guy's companion uh, the the first guy I was talking about he was like from the cia or something like that and his companion is from some government agent agency from canada and he comes to you know they come to calvin bar it's just like we have this other problem in Canada. Uh, there is an organism that is carrying what we call like the doomsday plague or the doomsday virus, something <laughs> along those lines. The way that they presented this whole shit was it was just, I, I couldn't help but chuckle at the whole thing. Uh, but yeah, go, go on, go on. <laughs> and, and, you know, Calvin Barr being the... Um, uh, being the cynicist that he is, he's just like, well, why don't you just, you know, bombard the area with bombs? You've got planes. Well, I'm sure we'd help you or something along those lines. It's just like, no, this creature is far more elusive. Um, we need somebody with your tracking skills in order to hunt it down. It's just like, what kind of creature do you think this is? And they finally get around to it. It's just like, it's Bigfoot. <laughs> <laughs> Why don't you guys nuke us from space like in that movie, <laughs> Alien Star Sigourney Weaver? <laughs> and that only- little, that cute little girl named Newt. Cutest <laughs> button. Can't believe she didn't get it. Her whole family got face huggers to the face. You're 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 quite uh, caught up on your modern movies, Mr. Barr. Mm. No, I'm a fan of cinema. I'm a fan. <laughs> Oh, what do you think like, of Alien? What do you think of Alien Covenant, Mister Barr? Well, I thought it was a retreat on the original concept of aliens. <laughs> I feel like Ridley Scott like kind of botched, the, screwed the pooch, as it were. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Use, all well. Uh, <laughs> Old time terminology for yeah. That's all well and good. So, uh, so will you kill Bigfoot, Mister Barr? <laughs> Uh, I don't know. You have a copy of Top Gun on DVD? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> this guy is a fucking film aficionado. Like, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Tony Scott's mise en scene. <laughs> oh, God. 
All right. So um, <laughs> let's uh, let's let's keep going with this. Uh, but yeah, uh, that whole moment uh, where they hire him out to kill Bigfoot. I mean, I was just like, what is like this movie just took a different turn. Like it was just like it was a movie about, uh, 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 you know, this guy who may or may not have killed Hitler. I don't who knows if that's a real thing. Mm. But I mean, everybody treats him like like that. And also, like, uh, you know, this this movie plays fast and loose with reality so much so that I'm just like, I felt it, it took some of the steam out of the, out of the the uh, the uh, the whole the overlying tone of it, just because I was just like I don't know what to believe, you know I don't know what uh, what's like what's real does it does it matter if it's not real like I'm just like kind of, you know um, I think I think the film is an allegory for um, a lifetime of trauma and regret that is uh unaddressed because before before he stops taking his medication life just sort of moves at a certain pace he may have been a veteran in world war ii but as opposed to you know killing hitler he may just have a whole bunch of of regret from actually going to war and the trauma of that of killing other human beings so in his mind he may have had to construct this whole story to justify the inhumanity that he must have experienced during wartime like uh, you know he yeah he's an american soldier but who knows he may have had to kill civilians he may have had to kill whomever people who whose faces that he can't get out of his dreams who in his mind is just like they could be they they look like my family and this that and the other coupled with leaving what was probably the love of his life behind uh, in the United States, she may have moved on. She may have died. It's it's insinuated by another character that she passed away at some point. Um, and him trying to reconcile, reconcile in his mind, like, should I have gone? Should I have stayed? Could I have gone? I, I mean, could have could I have stayed? Was I drafted? You know, how would my have li- how would my life have uh, unfurled had I made a different choice? And then fast forward to the present where his life is just trudging along and he's carrying all this weight. He stops taking his medication and suddenly reality uh, unfolds in his in a way very easily in which everything goes his way. Not only is he asked to go to Canada to kill Bigfoot, but he is one of the few people in the world who's actually immune to this doomsday virus. <laughs> Which is what got him recruited. And when he asked when he asked the government agent, he was just like, How the hell do you know that? It's just like, Well, you know, we have blood samples from all soldiers from from your time that we kept uh preserved. So we were able to test, you know. Now considering we've been jerking, how... you, we've been jerking you off in your sleep. <laughs> I mean, oh, considering... that's why I wake up feeling refreshed and ready for the <laughs> ready for the morning. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god but uh but i Thanks mean consi- that. <laughs> considering <laughs> considering how many soldiers there were in world war ii is like to go through all those blood samples and test them it's like it's a it's a fantastic story on top of another fantastic story and then you know he goes to canada 
and he's just a fucking badass. They take him to the room of weapons. He's just like, I need this knife, these two, <laughs> these two guns, and that's it. You know. No. He goes, but you just you just went ahead and fast forwarded to one of my favorite scenes because it turns into the whole, even the way it's shot, it turns into um, fucking Evil Dead Two, right? Mm-hmm. Where it like it does the snap zooms on all the weapons. He's just like, yeah, I need that gun, that scope, and this knife. You know? <laughs> I was just like, what the fuck, dude? Like it's just it, it just switched tones so quickly that I was just like, okay, okay, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> like it, that that came out of nowhere for me. But I still kind of dug it. I still kind of dug it. Um, oh no, for sure. It was. It yeah. was like. It was super entertaining. I mean, you know, to to look at what this guy can construct in his mind, you know, to cope. It's like, oh, this is this is very interesting. I mean, I'm sure. Like, is if it I was constructed? like, is it constructed? You think? I I believe that everything after he stopped taking his medication was constructed in his head. Okay. Um, and I think it was him ex- starting to experience uh, experience certain certain kinds of psychosis um, in order to cope with the trauma and regret of of a lifetime that's gone unaddressed. Because we don't see him go to therapy at any point in the film. You know, he's just he's just taking his drugs, living his life, and and uh, that's it. Um, I think, yeah, I think I think the. I think the point of the story was that, you know, people do what they have to do to cope and um, and there, there is there's a certain amount of I guess there's a certain amount of fallout because I can't quite figure out what his interactions with his brother was supposed to mean before he went to Canada and then after he came back from Canada, if he came back at all. Yeah, right. Huh. That's that's an interesting like because it could be it could just be that he took a trip up to Canada and he never came back. Right. So like like and and like all that shit about, you know, going to kill Bigfoot. Bigfoot uh lovingly looks um looks very I mean I, I don't know how to describe the makeup on Bigfoot. <laughs> it's charming. It's great. <laughs> Bigfoot, um, who was played by Mark Steger, by the way. <laughs> oh, cool. Awesome. It's good. Now I know that. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, it could be that, he, you know, he told his brother that he was going up to Canada and he never, yeah, I guess he, he got lost in the sauce, as it were. Um <laughs> And uh, yeah, that that kind of brings about like a like kind of like a melancholy kind of thing to it, because you know, uh, they're they're the what's real and what's not the like the blurring of the lines between reality and fantasy, um, kind of confused me a little bit, especially after he died, he quote mm. unquote died, and then he went back to his grave to dig up some memorabilia. I'm assuming that reminded him of his uh, past love that he mm-hmm. left in World War II. Yeah. So uh, I that part confused me because then he all of a sudden he just comes back and everybody in the town 
people in the town know him. So, and then he's just like, hey, I'm back. You know, yeah, I'm back. Um, uh, I just want I, I just want to come back for my my uh, dinosaur toy, my uh, Blu-ray copy of Le Samurai and uh, <laughs> my all region region free DVD Blu-ray player. You know, um, and my copy of Jugs. Um, <laughs> but you know uh, for the road for the road uh so yeah um and there was also the symbolism of the stone in his shoe which again i can't place i i don't know what that represents you know how through most of the film he kept like fiddling with one of his shoes yeah and trying to get he would stop at sometimes he was in the middle of walking somewhere he would stop just to look in his shoe to see what the hell was in there and it was close to the end of the film where he finally got the stone out of his shoe. And he, he had said something like, well, that did it, or something along those lines, you know. Um, so I'm not quite sure what that represents. Maybe maybe he finally got past what was bothering him. I don't know. Uh, like he got closure? It, like it, it was some sort of closure, something that had always nagged at him because that's right. what it was doing in the film. And then finally being able to be like, all right, the place I'm at now, I'm happy because it's no longer nagging me. Right. Well, I, I saw that as the same thing. Like I, I couldn't make I didn't realize like what it what it exactly was. And I thought it maybe it was like him letting go of his guilt. But, you know, um, just to make another point before we wrap up, um, the, again, this movie, it was also very timely with regards to uh, when he started talking about um, killing Hitler and what that meant. Mm -hmm. And I also saw that as an analogy for like the alt-right, right? Mm. It's like, um, cause it's like you can kill the man, but you can't kill the idea. Like the, I like killing the death of Hitler was kind of useless at that point because his, his, the cancer of his ideas had already taken root. Yeah. Um, so yeah, two two movies with very timely analogies, um, more so than I would have ever expected from a movie whose title is "The Man Who Killed uh, Hitler and Then the Bigfoot." I mean, <laughs> I thought it was just going to be a super silly film. Like... Yeah, me too. Me too. I was very surprised that it <laughs> it played it so straight. Um, it was like there was a there was a, a deepness to this. Yeah, there is. Uh, I was almost let down by the sh by because I was hoping for schlocky thrills. And <laughs> instead, I got a, a meditation on like loss and grief, you know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, you know, if pitted against each other, um, the girl with all the gifts, you know, Melanie versus Calvin Barr, and uh, <laughs> a no holds barred throwdown. Uh, I think. Calvin Barr would bite the big one. Agreed. Yeah. You do not. You don't fuck with Melanie. She's too smart. <laughs> yeah. She would have set some kind of tra some kind of trap for him, like She's a velociraptor. Clever you know. <laughs> girl. Of a, of a, <laughs> a velociraptor, like in the back of the barber shop where his brother works, she would put like. <laughs> She would put a barber's coat on him so he wouldn't even notice at first. She'd be like, who's the new guy? And then suddenly, suddenly. <laughs> <laughs> Clever girl. 
So, like a man, what an untimely end for Calvin Barr. It's like a horse's tukus on a lonely, moonless night. There's no bottom. That's a quote from uh, Big Lebowski. Nice, very nice. And that about wraps her up. Yes, Um, yes. (laughs) So, uh, from both of us here, I'm Pablo Morali Martinez. And I'm Ernesto Mancibo. And together we are the Robots vs. Taxes program. On Radio Free Brooklyn. That's right. And while you're out there, you could try keeping it real. But you should try keeping it right. Song of the Week. Try Jesus. Not me, cause I throw hands. Try Jesus, please don't try me, because I'm fine. Problem laying 